Welcome to the future of email. I'm Dr. Matthew Dunn, founder and CEO of Campaign Genius. We help email platforms grow by giving their customers the power of real-time visual media in their email marketing. We believe that email is the critical civil media channel today for business and commerce. This podcast features the leading innovators in email marketing. Stick around to the end. I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on the Cutting Edge podcast on the future of email. Let's go. Hi and welcome. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of the Future of Email Marketing. It's March 2021 and the sun's actually shining here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I'm delighted to actually get to know someone on a call. My guest today is Lars Helgeson, founder, CEO of Green Rope, also author of CRM for Dummies and quite the world traveler, which hopefully we'll have time to talk about. Lars, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're, and we are, we're, we're both in the Northwest uh, during this call, and you're probably like me going, oh, what sunshine, yay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, orient people a little bit. Tell us about tell us about Green Rope, for starters. I want to ask about a bunch of other stuff because you've got a fascinating background, but tell us about the company a bit. So Green Rope actually is an evolution of a company that I started back in 2000 called Cooler Email. Um, okay where we started in email marketing and then realized one of the big challenges that a lot of businesses face really has to do with understanding how much data is generated by all the different elements of a business. Mm -hmm. And so while email marketing is important, it really has to be thought of in the context of what's happening with the rest of the business. And so rather than continuing to go down the path of developing more and more just email marketing focused tools, we decided to start over with the CRM. And so the CRM is sort of the core. And then we built the email marketing component around what the needs are for businesses in the use of their CRM. Right, right. So e- email is just one, one, one of the ways you might connect with people, but certainly not the only one. And it's, it, it's not what you're all about. Right, right. And, you know, email is, is uh, I, I guess, way back in the day, it was thought of mainly as a marketing tool, um, usually for client retention the people that used it for client acquisition and spamming were the are the evil people that we try to stay away from. <laughs> yeah, but, um, sure. You know, but it, but email is used by everybody. It's yeah. it's used by salespeople. It's used by obviously the marketing team. But you've got customer service people. You have event people. A lot of people that are that are interacting. HR people all in your business using email to to communicate. Yeah. So yeah. because it's such an important medium for communication, non necessarily marketing related. Right. All, all, all sorts of communication. And your platform handles um, SMS as well, if I recall right. Yes? It does. Yep. Yeah. When, when did that come into the mix? That was a few years ago. We have a partnership with Twilio for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. We do SMS, we do MMS, we do voice broadcast, and we do um, telephony. So in and outbound calling and recording and transcription. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So you really are getting all of that data. So I'm going to guess that much of what Green Rope does fits under the umbrella that I know that you talk about, complete CRM. Mm-hmm. Want to give people a nickel education on that? Yeah, it really goes back to the traditional expectation of what CRM means. And part of it is because if you ask 10 people what they what they think of CRM, you're <laughs> going to get different answers. Yeah. So um, my idea about CRM is that the relationship is more than just a sales type of relationship, which is sort of the traditional way going back, you know, 34 years where where did CRM come from? It was really a sales tool. Yeah. But the relationship has changed a lot over the years where you have relationships that are driven by your website, by your online advertising, offline advertising. I mean, nowadays, a lot of things are done with QR codes. How much are you tracking that? You've got, the, like we were talking before with telephony and, and messaging and social media. You've got all these different things that are interacting with your leads and your customers. And all of those things need to be kept somewhere or you're not making decisions based on actual data. Right. So if, if you don't understand your market, and I mean, and especially with the younger generations, they don't necessarily like to use email as much. Yeah. So how do you communicate with them? And how do you get that data stored in your CRM so you can actually use it? And so that, that's one of the big things that, we, that I really try to help businesses understand is, is really you have to take a step back and look at your customer journey, understand, what people are going to be using to communicate with you and how are you going to communicate with them? Because the medium 
is going to be all over the place. You're going to have email, obviously, yeah. but you've got, like Phone I was mentioning before, all the other things. You've got video, you've got text messaging, you've got, yeah. you know, there's all these other methods. So how do you keep track of all of that? Yeah. And then how do you leverage your tools to automate the things that you can automate and yeah. bring all of that together? So that's complete CRM is really about understanding all those different channels and pulling them together in a single unified platform. In one place, right? Right. Yeah, not that's uh, that's a non-trivial challenge. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you you guys have been in business for for a, a pretty long stretch, if I recall right from the company profile. But uh, how did how does how do you, how do you rate yourself? Like, how does Green Rope do against your vision of what you want it to do? Well, so the answer is always going to be it depends on the client. Um, the idea, though, is to if you have a single platform that does all of those things, mm -hmm. then the challenge to the business is much, much less on the implementation side, right? Right, yeah. Because the devil's always in the details when it comes to CRM, right? Because you can go to a CRM company and they will promise you, well, yeah, of course our software can do that. You just need to buy all these different things and hire all these developers and make yeah. sure your data doesn't collide and make yeah. sure you don't run into our API limits and make sure, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And as a yeah. small business, that's not what you do. You know, you, the business wants to focus on doing their business. They don't want to be software managers. They don't want to be developer managers. Trust me, that's what I do. It's a pain. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you want to, you want to let customers, the companies run the software that helps them do what they need to do without having to rely so much on very expensive assets like, like IT staff developers and, and creating that complexity of what's happening with the data. And on top of that, you have the complexity that goes along with things like GDPR and CCPA right. and data privacy and protection. And you think about a lot of companies have their software, their client data sitting in four, five, six different platforms. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Each of those platforms represents a vector for losing data, which is catastrophic. Like, I mean, even think about what happened with Microsoft and, you know, with the SolarWinds hack and now with the Exchange uh, hack. hack, you know, I mean, they're. They're huge problems. Yeah. And so what we want to do is help companies minimize that by, by simplifying the way they run all of their operations. So you put everything in one platform and you don't have to rely on, or you don't, you don't have the, the same risk of one of maybe 10 different applications getting hacked and, and losing your data that way. So, so it's, a, it's a combination of privacy, simplicity, um, and power. Um, and, and security. So by bringing all those things together in one system, you really simplify all of that. And it helps you, it helps you really run your business with the right tools used at the right time for the right people. And, and a real cumulative, a cum, that cumulative view of your market and your customers, I would guess gets more and more and more valuable, um, over, mm -hmm. over time. Cause that the problem you alluded to of, uh, five and six is a small number, 10, 12, you know, 20 different mm -hmm. systems with fragments of, you know, this is a web log and that's the email marketing system. And this over here is how I actually send email to people that I, you know, you know it's all over the place. Right. right. And, and you end up, you end up keeping it in your head or on a, on a paper napkin or something like that, which doesn't scale yeah. very well. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Huh. That's a, you, you touched on on something that it's always interesting to to talk with, um, you know, uh, technology and platform folks about, which is this rising tide of awareness about privacy and mm -hmm. and control of our our own data, and and finally some some legislation to say, wait a minute, maybe we shouldn't let it just be the wild wild west, and maybe people should have a voice mm -hmm. in what's stored about them. Any any comments about where you guys are headed? Yeah, I mean, I think that it really comes down to the company owning the data yeah. and not relying on other systems. Like, I, I mean, I think that's very tempting for companies to think, well, I'm going to run everything, all my ads through Facebook and LinkedIn, and I'm going to do all my communication through Facebook Messenger or maybe LinkedIn Messenger, you know, yeah. email, yeah. whatever, which is okay. The problem is the moment that the algorithms change, by by those companies and the moment they decided to cut you off because they think you're violating some terms you know whatever i mean regardless of your of your political affiliation clearly we have seen how other technology companies will shut off other companies like it, it like parlor yeah. um yeah. where they don't believe they're in in alignment with their standards 
So regardless of whether you feel like you would ever be in a position like that, it's still a risk. Your data is still sitting with someone else. Whereas if you have your marketing data, your email traffic data, your web analytics data, all of that on a platform that's not going to do something like that, you know, where you've got a potentially a massive company that could come in and just say, well, we're going to, we're going to bury you now just because we want to, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a risk mitigation strategy for a business to think about where is my data and who owns it. Yeah. And the more you actually own. And so that's why a CRM is so important because that's your data. Yeah. You own that. You yeah. own the history of who are those contacts? What do you know about them between their name, their email address, but also their behavioral history? You know, have they opened up emails that you've sent? What emails yeah. have you sent? When did they answer surveys? Have they watched videos? Have they yeah. called you? I mean, all this data that you want to own as a business. You don't want that sitting and relying on some other platform, a social media platform that yeah. can very easily take that away from you. Where it, it seems to me in a way where we're maturing a bit as as digital becomes you know normal and part of life in in distinguishing things that we kind of lump together before me there was a, there's a point in time when someone would someone would say i'm trying to think of a good example <laughs> my my dad no longer with us unfortunately used to used to go to google to search for websites instead of typing in the url mm-hmm um, and it is a perfectly understandable shortcut, but you know Google's accumulating a whole lot of data and and frankly centralization and and power in yeah. that equation. Um, and now we're starting to dis- distinguish. Wait a minute, you know Facebook owns that; they could shut me off, mm-hmm. as as you said. Um, you know we went through the kind of delicate office debate about do we want to keep hosting our own email for, you know, just for inboxes, or do we want to put it on G Suite, or do we want to put it on Office 365 or something like that? If we do, you know, who owns it, who controls the domain, those sorts of things. Like, we're, we're finally starting to get a little, uh, in, internalize a little more sense of those underlying ownership, control, longevity issues mm-hmm. that you touched on, instead of just saying it's bits and bytes, so as long as somebody does it, that's okay. Um, you know, companies didn't think of this stuff as an asset. Now it's it's absolutely critical asset. Yeah, and I think I think the risk of loss now is is getting pretty. It's significant. People are seeing what can happen. You know, yeah. whether it's a, a phishing attack, identity theft. Um, you know, theft, theft. Like you know, locked taking, up locked up machines with a with a bounty on them. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a, a frightening place. It's a it's a scary world out there. There's a lot of people who um, have a lot of resources and um, and are happy to come <laughs> after you for for you know for whatever it is that they think they could take from you. Um, and so you you have to think in terms of worst case scenario, mm. and and that's why I I, I think it's an, it's it, you can't understate how important it is to really have a lock on where all of your data is sitting. Right. How is it protected? Is it encrypted? How many other people have access to it? You know, one of the things I hear, a common thing with CRMs is there's per user pricing. And um, so companies will often have their employees share users, share logins to save money because they think, well, I'll save a hundred bucks a month or whatever, 200 bucks a month. And, and, you know, so I can, I can get away with more by having saved some money by having four or five people share a login which is absolutely disastrous. <laughs> you know, I mean, as far as accountability, security, I mean, there's so many bad things that go with that. It's yeah. one of the reasons why we at GreenRope, actually, we don't charge per user. We only charge per Really? Contact. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah, because because I, I don't want that to be a calculation that anyone ever has to make. It should always be yeah. something predictable in terms of cost for managing how much it's, you know, how much, what does it take for you to secure your data? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. Oh, interesting. Good, good, good for you. Good for you. It's not, it's not easy. It's a sidebar conversation, but it's not easy to, to figure out a pricing model with all the complexity under the hood of a, of a digital service of some sort. It's not easy to figure out where you hang the price tag sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some of the conventional things like per seat, which has been around forever, right? Like yeah. it, it penalizes behaviors and you see, uh, not necessarily effective choice. You lose data and knowledge if five people are sharing a login because you can't distinguish their interactions 
from right. each other almost by definition right there. And you don't think that's important, but it's probably quite critical. Wait, who talked to the Acme account? Oh, well, we were sharing a login, so we don't know. <laughs> right, right. And yeah. that happens more than you'd like to you'd like to admit um, in other companies out there, which is, you know, one of the things we want to simplify that. The other thing that, that we've kind of made the, the choice about is not to charge per feature. Um, so the only thing that we charge in addition is for uh, the network costs to do the SMS and the telephony, like those, sure. those kinds of things we just pass on. But Yeah, sort of um, tangible cost. We don't charge, like we have a learning management system, we have a project management system, we have a survey tool and a, you know event management system, all these different things that are built wow. into our CRM that wow. we don't charge for. Yeah. Um, and which is in, in stark contrast to most other CRMs out there. Um, I know that Microsoft CRM's um, pricing manual is 26 pages long. <laughs> uh, you know, if you got to read a 26 page document to figure out how much they're going to bill you, um, yeah. there's obviously yeah. there's a, a risk of, of something yeah. being <laughs> miscalculated. But, but, um, oh. but I think it's, you know, people like things that are simple. Yeah. And yeah. I want, I want, Everyone, I mean, especially our customers, but everyone should be able to have access to the tools that they need mm. and not have to make that decision of, well, I could save 20 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month or 100 bucks a month if I used mm. this other separate software. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that would be able to do this function. And then, you know, if it's a separate piece of software, then you've got to figure out the API connections and the cost to build the connections there and what happens if there's a data collision. For yeah. us, because we do all that internally, I don't want that to be a decision that someone has to make of like of thinking, well, is it worth it for me to pay an additional X dollars a month for me to be able to have access to the project manager or to the the learning management system or the event management system? Because all that data should feed into the CRM. The CRM, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's a, a substantial bar you set for yourself in fulfilling all of those functions for a company any any comments on how you how you get there and stay there and keep up it's hard yeah <laughs> it's, it's, yeah it's a lot of work it's a, it's a lot of work, work. I, mean, I mean there are companies that that's all they do there are companies that all they do is project management right companies all they do is learning management yeah. you know and event management tools i mean there there are focused tools in those in those um uh, you know different industries any vertical but, but it, yeah yeah, but it's funny because I, I just read an article. There's a there's a guy uh, named Chuck Schaefer who's uh, I've worked with him for a long time. Um, but he just wrote an article about RFPs and CRMs. Oh, really? And and it was really interesting because he said, and we've seen this where people think about what they need for their CRM and they think very feature focused. Mm -hmm. I need a CRM that does X, Y, and Z, and they think you know it, I need to be able to do this with it, you know, and rather than thinking about how they're actually going to use it and what the output is going to be, they think in terms of, I need this feature. And the reality yeah. is that users of CRMs typically, and on average use 30% of the capability of the CRM. Yeah. Because so much of this other capability stuff that the features that they ask for, they never use. It's just, it's just something that they think that they need that sounds good or that, you know, someone maybe have mentioned it in a meeting or something and they say, oh, we need to have that. Or and, it works uh, for this particular niche industry, right. but maybe not many others. And then, you know, one of your, one of your dilemmas, one of my dilemmas running a, running a software company is trying to make a sensible, you know, user guided choice about what gets the work and the focus because you can't do it all. Right. And it becomes unusable if you do it all. Right. And that's a disaster as well. Yeah, not a trivial challenge. Um, I mean, as soon as you say CRM, of, uh, of course, there's a, there's a Salesforce-shaped cloud out there on the horizon. And, and I've got to say, I'm not, no, I'm not knocking Salesforce. I've, I, I used it years ago, but I don't think you could pay me enough to sit down at a desk and say, I've got to use it all day now. Like I, it just made me, it made me nuts. It was almost um, incomprehensible and didn't help me get work yeah. done. Yeah. I mean, uh, Salesforce isn't bad if you're a fortune 1000 company and you can hire a system integrator to design it and make it work exactly how you want exactly it, for your business. Yeah. Right. Cause the platform yeah. is very powerful, but it just, yeah. it, it requires so much engineering work to make it work. It's not worth it. If you're an SMB, yeah. you can, you can do everything that you need in something for a fraction of the cost. I mean, it literally will cost at least 20 times more to do it that way on yeah. Salesforce. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, it's really more of a toolkit for consultants to design your CRM mm -hmm. than a CRM that you'd you know fire up and use. 
right. of the box. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And a good CRM should allow you to customize it to meet what you need without the use of developers, developer resources. You should be able to make it work. Lovely and, idea. You know, and I know we talk, we're, we're talking a lot about email here, but yeah. because that email communication has to be tracked and managed through all those different interactions. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You think about the complexity of where are you going to store the email communication that comes out of all the different things that you do. Right. You've got you've got the simple newsletters that you might send out. But what happens when you have the the sales enablement process where you have a salesperson that needs to trigger a drip campaign or a, a mm-hmm. series of logic-driven messages that are personalized mm-hmm. to their target and do lead nurturing that way? How, where does that where does that data, how does it get executed? Where is it stored? What happens with, where do you yeah. track what people do with those emails? Yeah. And then yeah. you think about things like email mark or um, event management. So, you know, what happens if you're going to have, if you host a Zoom webinar, where's that data going to go? And yeah. how are you going to keep track of the people that register or attend? And so you want to have a single tool that unifies all that together and doesn't have the complexity of, well, we're going to have to buy this software and link it, and buy this software and link it, and then it yeah. turns yeah, and you'll and you'll never actually make a coherent view out of those out of those different packages. Yeah, that's I mean it's uh, it's a totally sensible argument. In in some ways, it seems to me that's the that's the huge enterprise size target that Microsoft is starting to aim at now in this uh, you know post Satya Nadella uh, Azure centric Microsoft, not not the Office and Windows version of the company, but the uh, uh, I think what they call it global computer or something mm-hmm. like that. Like uh, they're, they're bidding fair to have enterprise scale companies do that kind of thing across all of those myriad mm-hmm. touch points. Although there, there will definitely be some high paid consultants involved in, oh, for sure. <laughs> in getting yeah. the job done. Yeah. You know, it was really funny. I was, I was here in Bellevue to speak at a conference a couple of years ago, and there was a VP of marketing from Microsoft that was the keynote speaker. And he stood up there and he talked about this grand vision that Microsoft had to someday be able to combine web analytics data and email marketing data in the same system. And I thought, is this the great vision? Because I, I know of at least... 20 companies that did this 10 years ago, including yours, probably. Yeah, well, yeah, including yeah. ours, but yeah. you know, I mean, companies like, like HubSpot has done this for, you know, they're yeah. on the same track as us. MailChimp even has done this yeah. for many yeah. years, you know? And yeah. so it's uh it's interesting how I think the enterprise space just thinks about things a little bit differently um, than the SMB space, which is kind of where we've stayed focused. Yeah, they, 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 they do. Um, and I, you know, I, I enterprise, I've got enterprise software, including Microsoft, um, in, on the on the resume in the background, um, it's a very different target mm-hmm. and a very different mindset. And and critically, the decision maker isn't always the user, which in oh, in sure. case of SMB is is they're much more likely to get yelled at by the user. You know, um, the you know this the CIO choosing a platform for thousands of people in the company through a lengthy RFP process. Like you're a long ways away from the desk where this is actually going to get. You know, right. fired up and used, and you are trying to solve a, a scale problem that's really quite different mm-hmm. as well. But yeah, and and at the same time, now we got we're at the stage where even a small business has an appetite for. I want the tools like the big guys, the digital tools like mm-hmm. the big guys, right? It's reasonable for a small business to say, you know what, I'd like a single view of the customer, and I'd like my service and my sales and my marketing to all dot back to the same place. Man, that would have been science fiction not that long ago. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's kind of cool. <laughs> that's yeah, kind of, no, but really but it, cool. it, it's a game changer for a business to have everyone in the same platform. Yeah, that's a big part of our platform is a support ticketing management system. And really, you know, when you have customer service people interacting with the same platform that the that the salespeople, yeah, have, now a salesperson can go into a contact record, someone that they're trying to sell, and they can see a history of. Every support ticket that's ever opened up, every chat that's ever been made between them and a customer service person. Wow. They can see a history of, of course, of all the email traffic and the web analytics data, the videos watched, the surveys answered, the forms filled out, the calls made in and out, text messaging, the events they've attended, the webinars they've attended, all of that automatically synced together into one system. And that's, wow. that's, that's what we want. That, I mean, we built that, but yeah. we want to help companies get to the point where they are all everyone in the company is using that all together. Wow. Wow. And 
And you can do things like lead scoring that cross across all those different channels. So you could say, if I'm a salesperson and I want to do lead scoring and I want to find out who my most interested leads are right now, maybe I have half an hour and I got to make a call to a couple people. Mm -hmm. I'm going to target the people who are most interested in. Mm -hmm. Now we can do scoring and see across all those different channels who is the most engaged. And that kind of insight really helps a salesperson be better at sales. And conversely, yeah. if you have a marketing person who can see across all those channels and they yeah. can see what's actually driving interaction, what are the statistical correlations between these different actions and conversions? Yeah. You're not just measuring because everyone thinks about that in terms of email and web stuff. Yeah. But once you start to take into consideration the phone, text messaging, these support ticketing issues, the, the live chat interactions, the webinars, once you pull all that together, yeah. now you have a picture of who your leads are. Now you can understand consumer behavior. If you're right. just going off of web and you know who's on your web page and what they did with your emails, you have a sliver of a picture yeah. and, and you're not going to make the right decision and you can't target people. You can't really personalize from just that interaction because there's a lot more to the relationship than what did they do with my email and were they on my web page? Well, Agreed, agreed, agreed. That's uh, I love the perspective. It also seems to me that a lot of companies end up with a better view of their prospects than their customers, right? You, because if you've got the somewhat conventional approach, and you know, I'll get this email marketing system, this web analytics system, you know, this for my sales guys, this for my customer service, you know, mm -hmm. help desk or whatever, all separate, all yeah. separate, right? You end up with a ton of data at the at the sort of front end prospecting. Mm -hmm. And and sales and it almost never gets transferred over or correlated yeah. right into into the view of oh wait these guys are actually paying us these are our live customers that the 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 service and support uh, that you mentioned doesn't always get the customer doesn't always have a voice about the customers when in fact they're the ones keeping things rolling with your real live paying customers right right exactly. how do you uh, how do you help people grapple with the data. Uh, overwhelming amount of data and turn that into, you know, not just noise, but a signal. Well, you, you have to understand the, the, the customer journey um, because you're accumulating all that data. And the, the key is you have various different user stories inside your organization. You have marketers who are going to use that diff data differently than a salesperson who's going to use that differently than a support person. Mm -hmm. So you look at how your users are going to be interacting with the platform. And that's, that's actually how we designed the system was around those functional areas. So yeah. if you have a salesperson, you think about how are they going to, what sort of data that they, do they need to see? They need to see their pipeline. They need to see their overall statistics. They need to see what's coming up in their schedule and things like that. Marketing people are using things a little bit differently. So they have different kinds of reports that they're going to use. They're doing different types of campaign optimization and personalization tools. Mm -hmm. So in each of the elements, at least in our system, they're designed around the actual use case of the user. And yeah. so when you go in, you can you can very easily go and find the data that you need, pick it out and, and do the analysis or do the writing or do, do whatever it is that you need to do. Yeah. Um, and so, but a lot of that comes down to education, educating users, mm -hmm. and it comes down to really understanding your target market and how are you going to be interacting with your target market. And so there's very much, education is a really big component around what we do, partially because we do things a little bit differently in that everything is all integrated. So, so we like everyone to understand how, where they fit in the puzzle. Yeah. I, I don't like organizations where you put somebody in a corner and all they do is their little job and they don't think about how they impact the rest of the organization. I don't yeah. think anybody likes to work that way. I mean, I'm sure maybe some people do, but, but I think everyone wants to feel like they're contributing and part of a team. Yeah. And they want to see that impact that they're making. And I think siloing software is going to do the same thing as siloing a person where well put, well put. they're working in their little corner and they're yeah. generating data in their little corner or, or in this little software piece that where that data doesn't really go anywhere. And the relevance of that data really is not, it's not very high because it's, it's, it's stuck in a little environment where only a few people can use it. And right. so we want to help companies broaden the way they see all of the data that they're generating and not get lost in it. But like you said, find the signal through the noise. What do they need to pull out 
and then be able to extract that data and use it. And so, like I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of training that's involved because not every business is the same. And so we need oh. to help encourage and coach coach that through. Ah, nice. That's uh that's a heck of a bold uh it's a it's a bold agenda. I actually I, I really like it. There's a I've got a I've got a, a young friend who runs a photography business, a wedding photographer. She does she does very well at it, but she adopted a platform called Seventeen Hats when she first launched it. Mm-hmm. And it I and she said, I love this. It's it's everything. It's my sales, it's my uh, e-commerce, it's my CRM, et cetera. And I'm not familiar with the platform, but I remember she said, this thing just saves me time because I'm not running around between all of these boxes. It's right. all in one place. I'm like, that's right. pretty cool. Yeah, sounds like similar, yeah. probably smaller scale. Yeah, exactly. So that's great, I mean, to have a tool like that. And when it's written for the entrepreneur, the startup, you know, the, yeah. the one-person job, you know, it's, they don't need the advanced tools. Yeah. They can, you know, the, the automation, the predictive analytics, like she's not going to go in and do all that analysis. Right, right, right. Cause it's not, it's not really her. I mean, she's so relationship driven and it's just, it's her by herself. Right. But as you start to scale up, if she was an organization of say five or 10 people yeah. where you have management layers that need to watch over and take the, you know, monitor what are, what are, what's everybody doing? You know, what's, yeah. what do my funnels look like? You yeah. know, it's, it's a different kind of an animal. It's a different kind of a, of, it's a different problem and it needs a different tool. Yeah. What's the, tell, tell me a bit about the, the, the market for your company, um, size, of, size of customers, types of businesses. What, are, what do they look like? We are all over the place. Really? So we have startups, um, we have government organizations, um, oh. we have um, universities. Um, we're in 40 different countries. So, wow. um, yeah, so we're spread out all, all kinds of different industries, applications, um, from manufacturing to um, transportation and logistics to law firms to uh, agencies, ad agencies, marketing cons- consulting firms, wow, um, all over the place. So, <laughs> and and the nice thing is that we scale up to. I mean, some of our organizations, you know, you're talking about a government organization that has hundreds of users, yeah, hundreds of thousands of contacts that they're managing. I mean, that's yeah. a it's a different type of a solution. I mean, it's the same software. Yeah. But it's set up differently than, say, a, a small company that has two or three people that's using it for different in different ways. I see. Wow, that's a, that's a that's a heck of a range to cover uh, with design and development as you continue to evolve the product. Yeah, it is. It's it makes things. I mean, I think you understand the how hard it is to make something that can handle something that's so complex, also not intimidating to a startup. Yeah. Because if somebody comes in and, you know, there maybe there's maybe one, two or three people working in the company, then how do they, how do they use the same platform yeah. as a company that has hundreds of users? Hundreds of users. Yeah. Yeah. So we, no, that, uh, that, we that, support that, both. So we, we have clients wow. in the, that whole spectrum. And, and you, um, you said multiple, you said 40 countries. So you've, uh, you've had to grapple with multiple languages mm-hmm. in the, in the user, uh, you know, user interface, user experience as well. Yep. Yep documentation too um yeah the the documentation is mostly i think we've got um english german spanish and russian uh okay. right now okay so um but uh, and for the rest of the rest of that it's uh you know it's google translates <laughs> <laughs> i hear you we just we actually just went through the uh localization of our uh, our component for that sits in email editors puts real-time content inside the email editor and we had enough demand to localize that localizing being the software term if you don't do software all day localizing mm-hmm. have it speak different languages so users aren't aren't lost and all stuck looking at at uh, English which is our little our little bit of imperialism um, thank you internet um, yeah. and it's non-trivial to get all that stuff right and tight and meaningful um it's not tri- non-trivial <laughs> yeah i mean I, I mean we go through i mean things like tickets you know yeah. like a support ticket oh, is support different ticket. than a train ticket yes. <laughs> different yes. words yeah in different languages and you can't just drop a single word or two yeah in you know god bless google translate but you can't just drop a single word in there and expect it to get it right there's no context uh, like exactly. your your ticket your ticket example is right on the mark yeah, i mean you mentioned you mentioned russian a couple of other domains do you do you have to do you have to keep data in data in place for some customers? Yeah, we do. Um, wow. And 
yeah. So it's a, uh, it's a little tricky. Um, you know, the, the privacy shield is something that has, yeah. has been a big issue. Um, the, maybe your listeners may, may not be aware that, um, so GDPR was a big thing for protecting the security and privacy of data for European citizens. Yep. Um, and a big part of that was the privacy shield program, which was something that was a, it was a an agreement between the EU and the United States that would say that if we had data in the United States and we as a company were willing to sign up and say, yes, we will protect European citizens data. We will not share it and you can trust us. And we're willing to put our, our company's reputation and brand and money on the line and say, we will not save your, we will not sell your data. Right, right. European courts struck that entire agreement down yeah. because they recognized that our intelligence agencies are taking the data from the transatlantic cable and st- sniffing it, whatever you want to call it. But the data is no longer secure. They don't believe that the data is secure in transit between mm-hmm. the, the EU and the United States because of that known, uh, whatever that term is, you sniffing, I guess, but taking that data in transit away and so um which caused which has caused us a fair amount of headache the privacy shield program is still in place even though the eu courts have struck it down <laughs> and so you know we try to you know obviously we encrypt all of our data in transit and everything but you know now things have to be done over there and and they can't be trans transmitted from over there to here and still be in compliance anyway there's i mean and, and you think about all the other things like you got Australia and New Zealand, Singapore and yeah, South America. Totally. And yeah, yeah. This is a, everyone's all over the place. So, so we have to be very cognizant of that. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a lot of work. That's a big <laughs> lift. And are you guys, uh, do you, are you, do you sit on top of, of a commercial cloud, AWS, Google cloud, something like that, run your own? Yeah, we have all, all of our own. Wow. Good for you. All of our own metal. That's uh that takes work. <laughs> yes. Yes, and, and 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 the redundancy and you know generators and all the other stuff. I'm guessing you do a lot of co-location just in terms of hosting facilities. But wow, yeah. your own metal, good good for you. I, I haven't I haven't done that in a while. Yeah. <laughs> for what we're up to, I'm like uh, cloud. Yeah, okay, good. We're, we're good with that. But it comes yeah, to yeah. Its own cloud. Yeah, there's there's uh yeah, there's pluses and minuses. Yeah. You know, the days when we have to buy hard drives, like yeah, I still we still have to buy hard drives. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the cloud. You don't have to buy hard drives. They just put you on a different box, and you don't notice. No, they just send you a bigger bill, and then yeah, well, yeah. Right. Right, right, right. How much? So, yeah, the, how much does this storage cost me again? Whoa, hang on a minute. Let me do the math on that one. Yeah, we do. We do a lot of computationally intensive work too, yeah. especially for the some of the scoring and predictive analytics um, tools that we have. And so, um, yeah, if we were to put that on the cloud, the amount of CPU usage would probably scale things it would make it very expensive. <sighs> That's uh, that 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 I, I don't have the math background to 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 be an honest to god data scientist, but the the rapid evolution of of you know big data I know that's last year's phrase rapid evolution of big data and the the growth of tools to start making meaning out of all of that stuff is like that's pretty that's pretty darn fascinating. What do you think of uh, Salesforce buying Tableau? Um, I I think it's a good uh, for them. I think it's a good combination you know the, i mean it's it's again you're you're buying it's, it's more of an enterprise level solution yeah yeah um, you know i mean tableau is very powerful software <sighs> yeah um, but you got to know how to use it you i mean it's, use it, yeah. if you're not a data scientist you're i mean and to be honest like you know most small to mid-sized businesses don't really they're, they're not there no. you know i mean no. i mean the problem is actually accumulating the data in the first place yes you know if you're if you're doing all that analytics on a sliver of the data, you're you're you may really understand that data, but you don't understand your customer. Yeah, and that's and that's really where we try to focus is to help the businesses truly understand their customer because that's that's what makes customer companies live or die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're absolutely you're absolutely right. Um, all the all the data analytics in the world did not save Toys R Us or Sears or Kmart. <sighs> Yeah, good point. Or or pair one, or you could we could keep ticking down. Yeah, kick, ticking yeah. down the list, and then by you know by contrast, you talk about the companies that haven't haven't made the curve. I, I uh, you 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 said you're in Seattle now. I I watch 
with with no small degree of awe as Amazon continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think, God, they know a lot about me. Oh, my mm. word. <laughs> you know, sure. I've got a and we've got an Amazon account from 97. They know a lot about me. Yeah. And and now in this now in you know middle of pandemic when people are like, "Oh, I need groceries and this and like more and more stuff coming from them." I'm thinking, "Wow, that's got to be a that's got to be a, a an incredible first-time problem the scale that they're working at." Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it is amazing. It is truly amazing. I mean, like or dislike Amazon for what they yeah. do yeah. or how they do it. Truly, from an engineering perspective, it is it is incredible what it's, they have been managed, yeah. what they have been able to build. It's just yeah, it's just it's it's just stunning. It's like even if you did a freeze frame on or said I'm going to stop being a customer or something like that, there's still a ton to learn mm-hmm. from how they've done that, and 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 at the evolutionary pace, like the pace of growth mm-hmm. that, that they've had in the past few years. But a good a good CRM platform should help a small business be able to capitalize on those on those same data streams too. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not, I mean, for as impressive as as what Amazon and Google and Microsoft what they what they have been able to do at the enterprise level, um, a small business should be able to take advantage of similar types of tools. I mean, it's not at the same scale, obviously, but if you can gather that data together and yeah. really because it's really about understanding your market. It's really about understanding how to best serve your customer. And Amazon has done an incredible job at knowing how to serve their customer. Yeah, yeah. A small business can do the same thing if they're able to pull that same kind of data in. Yeah. Amazon is continually paying attention to how people are using their app, how they're on their website, what are they ordering, yeah. you know, their, their delivery times, their, their supply chain, I mean, all that stuff. But that's all driven by analytics. Mm-hmm. A small business can do the same thing if they have the right software. Well, and I mean, it's interesting. It wouldn't have occurred to me as an analogy, but in some ways, what you're, you're you know, the core proposition, the thesis you're talking about for Green Rope is, is it's like get your own Amazon, right? One of the, one of the things about Amazon is they do have, they do have my shopping and my buying and my returning and like, they've got all of that in one spot. Right. And right. and that's you're saying do the same thing for a small medium sized business think the same way like mm-hmm. the complete life cycle uh, of your interactions with your long term life with the uh, with the customers that actually make your business run yeah and I, I think another similar analogy is like Zillow right Zillow has really expanded in the real estate market yeah first they were just sort of like a convenient MLS but now they're doing loans they're doing transactions they're doing I mean. They're 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 replacing realtors, yeah. And by understanding the entire customer journey and replacing it with software almost exclusively, and it's a it's an interesting case study in how it's transforming an industry through technology through that integration of the user journey and so customer journey. So each of us, if we think in terms of well, how do we address the customer journey? Are we looking at just a very specific piece of a customer's journey and doing whatever it is they're trying to do? Mm-hmm. Or are we trying to sell something that can really address the entire customer journey? And then do we have the software to track them as they go all the way through those steps? Right. So from initially finding out what it is that you do, to making the decision, to having them actually purchase from you through fulfillment, and then eventually turning them into advocates for your brand. How do you use software to track that entire journey? And that's, that's what we want to do with with one piece of software, we should yeah. be able to do that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought of Zillow, but you're. Yeah, you're. You're right. They. They. They really have. Uh, and they bought Redfin a while back, and then started giving the broker footprint. But yeah, they really are starting to change that industry that didn't want to change for a very long time. Right. Of course, there's no houses available, so I don't know right. if it's becoming <laughs> academic or what. <laughs> At least there aren't here. Uh, yeah. And everybody I talk to say, "Yep, no, no inventory." When you talk to a realtor, it's uh, yeah. it's kind of fascinating. Um, dot back to email, since nominally that's what we talk. We, we're going to talk about at some point. Dot back to email for a second, because um, you started as an email company. How have you seen um, that particular channel? Um, evolve for both you know customers using your customers using email to communicate with their customers and that end user experience as well of what do I use email for yeah the evolution really has been in um, targeting and and making sure the message is relevant and timely 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that really has come in with the integration. I mean, we still do email newsletters and making sure that the content is relevant, that we, you know, the deer or whatever, but also in the, in the nurturing campaigns so that when somebody first comes in, if they're interested in it, from our perspective, we use it obviously for when people are interested in using our CRM, mm-hmm. we, we, pay, we tailor the message that they receive to what role they play and what sort of industry that they're in because so they're going to high have- level of personalization. Right. And that's, and that's very important. I think for every business, it, they, the whole customer journey needs to track the need of the customer, the customer really, I mean, it really comes first, but if someone comes to you and they say, I'm interested in using your product or service because of X, mm-hmm. and then you send them an email that says, Hey, aren't we so great at Y? They look at that and say, well, you're not listening to me. I'm going to go find another customer, another company or vendor who, right. is, who will. And so what we want to do is help people understand, help businesses understand how to, how to manage all of that so that when somebody comes in, you're keeping track of where they're coming from. And that's truly the evolution of email is that message being absolutely targeted to that person's interest. Mm-hmm. And so using, using things, even things as simple as when you do ads on, on Google, the ad on Google that you put on the, the AdWords, whatever the campaign, if that language on the landing page doesn't match the ad that they click on, you're losing 30% of your audience simply because the language doesn't match in using the same key phrases, keywords, whatever. Mm-hmm. The same goes with the follow-up emails, the follow-up messaging that you're sending. Mm-hmm. That personalization has to do with well, what campaign did they? they come from? Did they come from the campaign that was interested in that where you were talking about this particular feature or this particular messaging or this particular target market segment, whatever it was, that consistent message Mm -hmm. is what gets people to engage. People have been using email now too long for you to rely on spam or this, this generic target blasting approach. Yeah. Yeah. to your messaging to get them to do stuff. They're yeah. just used to, they've seen the Nigerian Prince email now 5,000 times. They're not going to buy it. Well, and, so, and, and dear first name mm-hmm. does not move the, um, just doesn't move the dial anymore. Like, yeah, I know that's done. I, I literally don't see it. Right. It's like, don't, don't bother, serious. Don't bother with that. <laughs> right. And that's, and that's why you want to be able with the, with the targeting, you want the messaging to reflect what you know about the customer. Mm-hmm. And so we use what we call it in our system is dynamic data, meaning that we know that if someone is interested in say the, the marketing element of our CRM, mm-hmm. the message that they get in the follow-up puts the marketing related information at the top. Because we know they're marketers, they're interested in marketing. If someone's coming from sales, we put the sales at the top. So, uh, because we want the above the fold content to be relevant to what they're looking for. Every single business can and should do this. They should think in terms of where are people coming from and what are they going to be interested in and how do I send the content to them that's going to be that's going to resonate with them at the top of the message that they receive, so that they feel like we're listening to you and we have a solution for you. And so we're always we're always in a we're always in a bit of a struggle um, with let's call it marketing uses of communication technology, uh, but to 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 reconcile um, scale and personal scale and personalization um, to say uh, I'll talk this way to marketing folks this way to uh, people who are looking for a, you know a service solution we're still doing some grouping kinds of decisions, right? Um, mm-hmm. We're not truly tailoring a one-to-one because you don't, you don't have time to sit down. You can't sit down and write a single message to every single prospect. And, and at the same time, we're trying to look like we did. Fair? Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. it's, like, it's, a, it's a constant resource, uh, resource management design tension to, to, get mm-hmm. those, to get those two things to reconcile. It seems like yeah. we're getting better at it. Yeah, it's it's really about doing your homework first. You know, the idea is you you set up your automation sequences first and you think about when someone goes through the customer journey, what do you know about them and how are you going to personalize based on what you do know? Mm-hmm. Do you send a different message to males versus females, high income versus low income, people right. in a particular geographic area or not, people right. that are interested in a certain product or not? 
So you put all those rules into the content and then also you can put them into the timing of the, of the messaging itself. So you can, you can say, you know, well, if this person is interested in this particular thing, maybe they're going to be more likely to buy sooner. So we're going to increase the cadence of the messages that we send to them. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we're talking about selling maybe to engineers that have a long sales cycle on a particular product, they're more thoughtful. They're more, um, they're going to be a little bit more left brain, you know, they're, they're going to be more, uh, analytical. So the messaging is going to be different. Maybe we're going to space them out a little bit further. Hmm. So understanding your target market will, there's the, there's, and then, and then having automation based around things that they do. So if you want to wait until someone does a certain thing, like maybe you send them an email and you're going to wait until they fill out a form before you trigger something trigger else. Trigger the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Or you wait until they click on a link or you wait till they watch a video or whatever it is that you have yeah. that logic built into that personalization. Yeah. When you understand the customer journey, you can build that first. Once you do that, then you start sending people down those journeys and you wait to see then what's happening when they do. You start to generate data and you start to see, okay, well, we're seeing people are taking this action or they're not taking this action. And then you really start to learn about your customer. But that's a you're, you're building a system. Mm-hmm. And that really is the special sauce that a business is going to create mm-hmm. because you're generating knowledge. You're generating intelligence about how customers are interacting with your brand. And maybe that means you modify your brand. Maybe it means you modify the way you contact, you, you talk to people. But in any case, you're molding your business around your customers hmm. and not just trying to hammer them. If I, if I send them 20 emails a day for the next week, they're going to buy my thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's not going to work that way. You have to, you have to, you have to be listening and, and, um, and, and we all know what that's like to deal with companies that aren't listening and the frustration points that we're at. So that we have with them. So that's, that's what we want to build is this ecosystem, this, this business intelligence driven way of interaction. That's, I, I, yeah, I like, I like the way you put that. Yeah. And, and it's much more about listening. People, businesses tend to buy broad statement, not fair. <laughs> businesses tend to buy uh, stuff that talks more than they buy stuff that listens because it looks like it's going to do something. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 I still cringe about companies that invest you know, zillions of dollars in, you know, make it up to make the point, email marketing, and then they, they spend diddly on their content. I'm like, I don't care if the tool can send out a billion, if it's a bad message, who cares what the tool can do? Because the, the guy getting the message doesn't care what you use to send it. He cares what he sees yeah. and reads. Yeah, I had, the, I had this same conversation a few years ago with a guy that worked um, for Sweet Tomatoes. They were on. Uh, they were using, I think, an Oracle product and spending a huge amount of money on the product. Yeah. And their messaging was not effectively reaching out to their audience and yeah. driving people to their restaurants. And yeah. now they're closed. Yeah. Um. You know, which is which is too bad because I think it could have been avoided. But you know, I think big companies will hold on to this big technology, these big providers, because they think bigger is always better. Well, and, and it becomes a, I, there's, there's a rule and I forgot the name. I forget the name of the rule. I just read it the other day. There's, there's a rule that says institutions will actually fight to preserve the, 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 the fight to preserve the problem that they address. And mm-hmm. I think the same is true of same becomes true of systems, particularly if they're expensive. Well, we, you know, we bought a big widget system, so we must really have a widget problem. Well, do you really have a widget problem or do you need that thing anymore? Should you keep paying for that thing um or is it doing the job and it's 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 tough because you get people who've put their career or their rep on the line to say that's the right thing to do or to buy or to invest in um yeah and it's tough it's tough to unwind plus you don't realize what your dependencies are after a certain point on that right yeah yeah a couple of parting questions because i tied up like an extra half an hour of your time which i appreciate um you've gotten to travel 60 countries, I think I saw. 72. 72. Wow. Any any tops? I mean, I'd love to hear about all of them, but any tops off the list? Some great ones. Um, About 15 years ago, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Um, That's a slog, right? Yeah, it was about a week. Um, And um, East Africa, beautiful. The people are incredible, I have to say. I had a great time when I was there. Um, 
my sort of my ancestral homeland is Norway. So I enjoy going back there. Um, we do a lot of business in um, Germany and Switzerland, so I, I enjoy going there. Um, we have some employees that are in Eastern Europe and Belarus and Ukraine. Yeah. Um, so I go there. I enjoy that. Um, Iceland is beautiful, beautiful country. Oh, I loved Iceland. Yeah, I got to be there as well. Spectacular. Uh, yeah, has, it been hard, has it been hard during the pandemic to not be able to scratch that travel itch? Yeah. And in fact, so the, uh, the difference is the travel is just different. I'm not going as far. I've, I've been, uh, living in my, doing a lot of camping in my forerunner and, uh, you know, just sort of going in the mountains and taking the you drive a forerunner. I do. Yeah. I drive a, I drive a, a, a GX 470, which is the same, same platform. And it's, it's my rig. <laughs> yep. Yep. Get so, yeah. I, I got it. I kind of custom did some custom stuff to it so I can sleep in it and uh, go camping. I'm in the middle of that on mine. I swear. And I like literally that's tonight's project is finally putting the deck part in. <laughs> oh, nice. nice. Excellent. Yeah, uh, so you're an outdoors guy as well, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do. I enjoy hiking and, and uh, maybe I like the sports too. I like snowboarding and surfing and paddleboarding and all that stuff too. But, uh, yeah, it's just nice being outside. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You'll have, if you're if Seattle's becoming kind of home base, you'll have to come up and ski Mount Baker. Um, I've heard. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's Cascade concrete, right? The Northwest snow is, is never going to stack up to Colorado or Utah, but uh, Baker's pretty darn cool. Yeah, yeah. pretty darn cool. Yeah. Wow, 72 countries. I, I have a neighbor who's, Danny's almost 80, and I think he said um, he's keeping at the one, con- one country per year of his life pace. But aside from him, I've never met anybody who's been to as many countries as you just mentioned. That's really impressive. It's I really enjoy it. the The different cultures that you meet, the different people that you meet, are just a it's simple so man, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's funny because when you boil it down to people, that there are some a lot of simple things that connect all of us. We we suffer from the same difficulties, the same kinds of decisions, the stresses, the ups and downs, the losses, the wins, you know, all of those things we share so much in common. Yeah. And I, I think, I think a lot of times our, our news and our politics will try to separate us from, from the humanity of people who are in other countries who are just like us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're trying to figure out the, the, how to survive, how to live, how to make the best lives for themselves and their families and their loved ones. Yeah. And that's, that's no different from us. Yeah. They speak different languages. They may look different from us, but they're, but humans are, are fundamentally very similar. I think in, in what, what we're trying to do, we all see ourselves as the protagonist of our story and trying to make the best for ourselves. And I think when you travel, you see that you see different kinds of people. And that's not to say that everyone's a good person or, you know, I mean, you, obviously you have to be careful and safe when you travel, but especially in some countries, but you know, you, I think when you approach that from a sense of, of respect and wanting to learn about other people and other cultures, the experience is so much, it's so eye opening, and it just, it just changes your world. It changes the way you see everyone and everything. And, and it's really for as big of a planet as it is. And the fact that there's 7 billion people here, um, I think that once you travel and you, and you expose, you're exposed to these different kinds of cultures and thinkings and religions and everything else, you see so much of a common thread that, that binds us all together. And, um, and I really, I really enjoy that. I enjoy the, the seeing the things that, you know, I mean, I think if anyone's ever been to Angkor Wat and walked through that that temple in Cambodia, I mean, it's it's it, it's incredible. Um, as much as it is going to the killing fields in Cambodia, which are moving in such a different kind of a way, um, you know. And so when you when you see these these things, you know, seeing these massive churches or temples that have been built, these huge things that have been created by humans. Um, it's it's truly remarkable what people have have created, and so it, it's a it's a very humbling experience. I think when you when you run into so many different kinds of people and experiences all over the world, and so I'm 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 very grateful that I've had the chance to do that and um, and work from anywhere as I've traveled. So it's been uh, it's it, I if people haven't had a chance to travel in their lives, it's one of those things I would recommend everyone. If you if you have an opportunity to to go do it, yeah, yeah, wow, that was eloquently put, really was. 
No, thank you. <laughs> it really was. That's that. That was that was wonderful. I'm going to wrap it up and get Lars off the hook here. But Lars, it was a real pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for making the time today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Hi, Dr. Matthew Dunn here. Thank you so much for listening to the future of email. If you're an email industry exec or marketer and you're interested in being a guest, please apply at campaigngenius.io slash future of email. If this interview was useful for you, please consider sharing it. Grab a screenshot and post it and text it. And of course, email it to your friends. If you know someone who you think would be a good guest, tag them in your post and include the hashtag future of email. I really appreciate seeing guest suggestions. It helps us a ton to keep the show interesting. We do put out new episodes and new content fairly regularly. To keep up, I would suggest subscribing. Your sharing, your rating, your reviews are the key to promoting to the show, and they mean a ton to me and to the team here. If you want to know more, go to our website, campaigngenius.io slash future of email, or follow me on LinkedIn. Search for Dr. Matthew Dunn. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.